Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Please stand for the call to worship. And hear these words of the psalmist. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. For our God is gracious, and a song of praise is fitting. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Praise the Lord. Let us worship God.
please be seated. The psalmist cries out, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let us confess our sins to God. Let us pray. Sovereign God, it is easy to forget whose we are. It is so hard to believe good news for long, and even harder to share it with a skeptical world. If we dare to praise and glorify you with our lips, we will need to do the same with our lives. Sometimes we are not ready to let your majesty shine through us or to see your majesty shining in the face of the stranger. We are not ready to follow a grown-up Jesus in loving the unlovable and praying for enemies. Draw us to yourself, forgiving and empowering us as your children, we pray in Jesus' name. And the psalmist declares, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. You, O Lord, have by your power redeemed your people. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. children come forward, I want to ask Rob Harbison and Courtney Bath if they would come up and share with you about one of the most exciting ministries in the life of our church. It's called FX242. FX stands for Family Experience, and you're in a family if you're in the church family, so that includes all of us, and 242 comes from Acts 242 that describes the nature of the church inspired by the Holy Spirit as being of one mind, of, of following the apostles' teaching, of being in prayer, enjoying fellowship together. But I may be stealing their thunder, so instead of me going on, let's hear what Courtney and Rob have to say about FX 242. Good morning. Uh, we are about to start this uh, exciting Wednesday after school, Wednesday evening program on September 11th. Uh, but we want to invite you to a kickoff event that's happening on Wednesday, September 4th. That evening is designed to introduce you to FX242, uh, answer questions that you might have, uh, let you see what the entire program is like. And uh, so we're going to enjoy fellowship. We're going to enjoy a meal. It starts at 5.30 Wednesday, September 4th. So we hope to see you there. Uh, so I'm going to let Courtney describe the program to you just a little bit. Courtney? If you're wondering what FX242 stands for, the FX stands for Family Experience, 
And the 242 comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42. And it describes the way that Christ it describes the early Christ followers this way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Each month in this program, we're going to be studying some of the biblical virtues that come with the program. And at the beginning of the month, there's going to be a fun family skit, and we all have dinner together. And then for the next three weeks, uh, we meet, we break off into individual Bible studies. We have a children's Bible study. We have an adult program as well. We invite you to participate. Um, as well, the church provides a lot of material for us to take home and build on this at home with our families. Um, so there's a flyer in your bulletin this morning, which includes the dates for, for the year of the, and for the program. We encourage you to bring your children early and have them participate in rec time and also choir. Um, and don't forget the parents' class. Um, some of the things that our kids love about FX242 is when mom and dad are in the skits and they think we're really funny. But <laughs> our favorite part is being able to come together with other families and other parents and see um, to discuss how we can be an example for our kids um, to follow in, in, in the footsteps of the Lord. Thank you for your time this morning. And we hope to see you September 4th. Robin, Courtney, thank you so much. I hope you heard Courtney say that one of the things that her kids enjoy is when Kenny, her husband, and Courtney are in, in the skit and their children think they are so funny. That will let you know that Kenny and Courtney's children are very young. Because let me tell you, when you get older and you're doing those skits, you're not funny anymore. You're embarrassing. <laughs> but FX242 has the elements of Logos and it has something a little more. And you want to be part of FX242 this year, September 4th, and then kicking off in earnest on September 11th. Children, it's time for you to come forward and meet Ms. Debbie Spear on the steps. Good morning, everybody. I'm excited to see you. I've seen some of you in Sunday school already this morning. And those of you that were here this morning, I'll have a little bit of a heads up on what we're talking about. Oh, hi. <laughs> I thought you were a child. Okay. Well, this morning we're talking about, we're have, we have another lesson like the ones we've been having. That's that special P word. Who can remember? It's kind of a weird word. Bennett. What is it, Boone? Do you remember? It's the P, it starts with a P. Come on, Bennett. It's when Jesus uses one thing to kind of describe another thing. Parable. That's, that's right. Good job, Liza. Good job. So in this parable, he's talking about the sheep and the goats. And we're going to discuss it when we get upstairs. But for now, we're going to talk about what it means a little bit, okay? We've already talked about God's invitation to us with the wedding, right? We've talked about being prepared for God's kingdom with our lanterns, and what did we talk about last week? Do you remember? Who remembers what we talked about last week? Come on, you guys remember. We had our big box, and it was what? What was it? Walker? Well, we did our lanterns, but it was about using our gifts. Right, using the gifts from your heart to honor God, right? Right. And we're going to expand on that, hello, a little bit more this morning. What we're talking about this morning is doing good for goodness sake. Who knows what that means? 
You don't. <laughs> well, the reason that we do good things, do we do good things because we want to go, hey, look at me, I'm awesome, I did something really good. Do we do that? No. Why would we want to do something good for God? Because it's the right thing to do, right? It's the right thing to do. Let's have a seat, okay, boom? So we do good things for goodness sake. That means we do them just because they're the right thing to do. So who remembers what we learned about in Sunday school? R-A-O-K. Who can tell me what that means? What is it? Tell me, Daniel. Remember the word? It's kind of a weird word to start. Random acts of kindness. All right? We remember random acts of kindness. And that means doing nice things for people and not telling them that you're doing it. Who can tell me what we did in Sunday school today? Bennett, do you remember what we made in Sunday school today? We made bags. Who'd we make them for? People who are ill. We made chemo care packages this morning in Sunday school. And we put special things in bags. And we're going to take them to John B. Amos and deliver them and do something nice for somebody. And they're not going to know where it came from. They're just going to know that somebody did something nice for them. We're going to have these blue envelopes. And I was going to do this just for the kids, but I thought, you know what? Why should I cheat you guys? You should get in on it too. Inside this envelope, there is a list of 50 things that we can do throughout our community, be it have a kind word, smile at somebody, or even if you want to go a step further, maybe go buy a vending machine and put quarters in all the vending machines so that when somebody comes by, they get a free gumball. It's all kinds of fun little stuff that you can do. So I'm going to put these envelopes outside, out here in the gathering hall. And if you want to pick one up, it gives you a lot of really fun ideas. And I even put some little cards in there for you to put down wherever you happen to do your little act of kindness. Liza, can you show them the envelope? Liza's going to, here, show them this one, Liza. This is just a little tag that's inside the envelope. And on the back, it has Corinthians. Who's got my glasses? You want to read this for me? Okay. This is a joke with the kids. Miss Deb is blind. And I leave my glasses all over the place in this church, and they have to help me find them. Well, on the back, it has 2 Corinthians 9, 7, which says, Each of you should give what you have, decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's all about doing good for goodness sake. So in here, R-A-O-K -okay, every day, okay? All right, guys, let's go up and talk about sheep and goats. What do you think? first lesson today comes from the book of Leviticus. I told the folks in the early service, it doesn't have the best reputation in the world, but there's actually many good pearls of wisdom in this book, and we have many for today. So again, listen to the Word of God, Leviticus 19, picking up in verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. And you shall not lie to one another. And you shall not swear falsely by my name. 
profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your neighbor, you shall not steal, and you shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. You shall not revile the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God, I am the Lord. You shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not profit by the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate in your heart anyone of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then moving to verse 33. When an alien resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides among you shall be to you as the citizen among you, and you shall love the alien as yourself. For you are aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Once again, those who are able are invited to stand for our second lesson. You may be familiar with the word liturgy, which is the order or content of a worship service. And actually, liturgy means the work of the people. It's what you do. You're not just observers, you are participants. You are doing the work of worship. 
And so with that in mind, I'm going to get you to help me with this second lesson this morning. Pull out the Pew Bible or the Bible that you brought with you this morning. And if you're using the New Revised Standard Version from the Pew, you will turn to the New Testament. That's in the back to page 29. Matthew 25, beginning with verse 31. That's on page 29 in the New Testament. Now what we're going to do as we read this parable of Jesus is we're going to divide the congregation into two groups like the parable explains. We need a group of sheep to the king's right. Hello sheep, let me hear you. Okay, that means we're going to have to divide this center pew and, and to stay in good graces I'm going to ask Jeannie, you're going to the goat side, I need you on the sheep side honey much better all right so here's our dividing line right here and so all of you to my right are sheep and that means the rest of you are goats let me hear you nah. this is not typecasting it's just for the purpose of getting a feel for the the parable that Jesus tells so what I want you to do at verse 37 sheep let me have your attention at verse 37, it's going to say, Then the righteous will answer him. And those are your lines. Verse 37, 38, and 39. You will read those aloud. Okay? Goats. Look at me, goats. When you get to verse 44, it says, Then they will also answer, and you read the remainder of verse 44. Have you got that, goats? All right. The word of the Lord. And Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. And all the nations gathered before Him, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left hand. And then the King will say to those at His right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord and gave you food, or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger? or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you. Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it unto the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. This is the last parable that Jesus tells. This is the last teaching that he utters in the Gospel of Matthew. In the next chapter, next 26, Jesus will celebrate his last supper with his disciples. 
He will speak of a broken body, of poured out blood. He will speak of his betrayal, and he will be betrayed. There will be a false trial. He will be beaten. He will be mocked. He will carry his cross to his own crucifixion, and there on that cross he will die. The lesson that Jesus gives to his disciples and to us in his last parable is crystal clear. There will be a judgment. We've, we have spoken of this in earlier parables. Last week we dealt with it. In the return of the king, and upon the king's return, the master's return, there will be an accounting. There will be a reckoning. There will be a judgment. There will be a division between sheep and goats. The lesson that Jesus gives us is that yes, we will be judged by God in accordance with the manner in which we have treated the least of these. That will be the measure of the judgment. How have you treated the least of these? The hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the stranger, the sick, the imprisoned. God's judgment does not depend on how, we, how well we know the Bible, but upon how well we know and live the truth of the Bible. God's judgment is not measured by our fame, our fortune, our status, or our name, but rather by the love that we have extended in His name. The love that we have extended. And let us be reminded that love is an action. Love is a verb. And love is measured in the simple things as this parable shows us. The simple things. A meal to a hungry person. A cold cup of water to the one who is thirsty. Giving of a tangible, sacrificial gift to the one in need. An encouraging word. A gesture. A gesture of welcome and hospitality. Come in. Find rest. Find safety. Find peace. A gesture of going out beyond the threshold, to find the one who is sick, to offer care, to go to the one who is imprisoned and cut off, to offer fellowship. Love is something that each one of us has to give. It is something that each one of us can do. And when we do these things, when we live this way, The kingdom of God comes near. The kingdom of heaven can be sensed and even recognized in our midst. Because things where we live, things on this earth begin to look a lot more like heaven. The heaven, the kingdom, that we have been praying for whether we remember or recognize it or not. Thy kingdom come. Where? On earth. How? As it is in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray and to live. The love that we give the care that we offer, the sacrifices that we make, Jesus teaches us, must also be uncalculating. We must not be motivated trying to get into one group. Well, I will live this way so I'll be a sheep. Or I will live this way so I won't be a goat. We should not live calculating to get into one group or stay out of another. The truth of this parable is that neither group, the sheep who fed, who clothed, who welcomed, who visited, did so not knowing that it was Jesus whom they served. 
They were surprised and said, when did we see you, Lord? When did we see you, our King? And it shocked them to find out that whenever they had done it unto the least of these, they had done it unto their King. And likewise, the goats, those who didn't feed, those who didn't clothe, those who didn't nurture, those who didn't welcome, those who didn't visit, were shocked. And they respond in the same way. When did we see you, Lord? If we had known it was you, if we had known it was you, Jesus, we would have done it so much differently. I, 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 I would have been glad to share my coat. I would have been glad to share a bowl of soup with you. I would have welcomed you in had I known it was you, Jesus. I would have gone to you if I knew you were in need, Jesus. If I had known it was you, I would have dropped what I was doing. I would have changed my plans, and I would have come to see you. The truth is, if we know who we are dealing with, it changes the way that we behave with that person, doesn't it? When we know who we are dealing with, who is in front of us, it will alter the manner in which we are in relationship with that person. Is it true? It reminds me of a legendary story out of Princeton, New Jersey, about Albert Einstein, who was known to stroll around the campus. He would take walks, and many times his walks would meander between his home and before he got to the university, scratching his head and leaving his hair all befuzzled with his muddled clothes, unkempt, in some type of a otherworldly trance, maybe. But the story goes that he was walking by an old inn just the time that a wealthy woman drove up in her large sedan and got out and mistook Albert walking down the sidewalk is the bellhop and so she summarily ordered him to get the luggage out of the boot of her car and take it into the inn to the check-in desk. And so Albert Einstein paused and registered the command and went and got her luggage and carried it into the inn to the check-in desk with the woman following him. And when he put down the bags she thanked him and put a quarter in his hand. He looked at it, put it in his pocket, and walked out the door. She had no idea who she had encountered. True or not, it's humorous because Einstein remains anonymous to the woman. He doesn't say to her, do you know who I am? Don't you know that I am the most important intellectual mind of the modern era? Do you not know that Time Magazine will name me the person of the century? Do you not know who is, it is who is before you? No, he says none of this. He simply takes the quarter, puts it in his pocket, and walks out to continue to ponder the mysteries of the universe. Neither the sheep nor the goats recognized their king. They did not know that it was Jesus. They did not see him. The sheep saw, or the goats saw someone common, someone different, someone poor, beneath, other, outcast, not worthy and treated accordingly. The sheep, on the other hand, saw in the poor, the naked, the sick, the imprisoned, the alien, the stranger. They saw a brother or a sister. They saw a neighbor. Who is my neighbor? They saw a neighbor and treated that one accordingly. To see someone, 
to see someone and to actually know who they are, we must see them to know them. And to know them is to love them. The poignant letter of 1 John puts it this way. John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifest in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. To see the other is to know the other. To know the other is to love the other. This verse goes on to say, for the one who hates his brother, well, let me just read it to you. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother or his sister, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Have you ever been in an airport and you are either arriving in the airport or you have gone to the airport to meet someone who was flying in? And you know that as you stand there waiting for them to come from the gates to the baggage claim area, there are also those people who stand there with signs, with names on them. Mr. Rashid, Mrs. Thompson, you've seen them. And they're standing there watching every person come up the escalator, looking at their faces, wondering, is he the one? Is she Mrs. Thompson? Because they do not know the person that they are meeting at the airport. You know, I've had this fantasy and I have been tempted upon arrival to go up to one of those individuals and say, hello, I'm Mr. Smith. Thank you for meeting me here. We'll go to the baggage claim together, we'll get my bags and he'll put them in the trunk of his big black limousine and he'll drive me into the city I won't have to worry with the cab. I won't have to mess with public transportation. And on the way, I will say, sir, there's been a slight change of plans. Instead of taking me to the Waldorf, uh, would you please take me to the Days Inn? <laughs> but you know, think with me, the worst thing, one of the worst things that I can imagine is that when Jesus comes in all of His glory, when the Lord returns, that I would be standing there holding a sign that says, Jesus Christ, my Savior and King. Are you the one? Is it Him? Could it be her? And wondering if I would recognize Jesus. Or better yet, if He would recognize me. Do you know Him? Would you recognize Jesus if He were standing in front of you? The fact of the matter is that we can know Him. How? By loving Him. And how do we love Jesus? By loving the least of these.
the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, the imprisoned. We love Jesus by loving His own, the own members of His family, the parable says. But instead of us holding up a sign, hoping that Jesus might recognize us, I would like to fantasize that we might live life in a different way. That we might live life by putting a name tag on everyone that we meet. Everyone. A name tag that says, hello, my name is Jesus. And then treating them as if that were true. And don't you think the world would be a much different place if we were to live this way? Whenever you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. And when we understand the reason for the, the love that we are called to give away, as being a love that has first come to us, we love because God first loved us first and best. Jesus loved us first when we were hungry, when we were naked, when we were sick, when we are alone, when we feel in prison. Jesus loved us and loves us first and best. And Jesus gave Himself for us. He died for us. He loves us. He knows us because He made us. Do you know Him? Georgia O'Keeffe, the painter of Southwestern motifs, is quoted as saying, it takes time to see a flower. She goes on to say, nobody sees a flower, really. It's so small, it takes time. We have it time. And to see takes time. Like to have a friend takes time. Takes time to see Jesus, to know Him. Mother Teresa, in one of the last interviews that she gave, said this. The interviewer started out, what did you do this morning? Mother Teresa said, pray. The interviewer said, what time did you start? She said, half past four. It's a little early. And then the interviewer said, and after prayer, Mother Teresa said, we try to pray through our work by doing it with Jesus, for Jesus, and to Jesus. It helps us put our whole heart and soul into doing it. The dying, the cripple, the leper, the mental, the unwanted, the unwa unloved, they are Jesus in disguise. And in the Sisters of Charity, the leper colony, where Mother Teresa did her life work, in that place where they would take the trash of the street, dead and dying, and bring them in and bathe them and treat them like royalty unto health or unto their last breath, and painted on the wall were these words, You have done it unto me. That was her life verse. You see, Jesus does not want to be anonymous to us. The veil of the face of our Savior is very thin. If it were not so, He would not have told us this parable before the judgment. For in this parable we know how to see Him, 
and to serve Him. It takes time to see a flower. It sometimes takes time to see Jesus, to know Him. Slow down. Stop. Look. Listen. Touch. Respond. See Jesus in everyone you meet. And as we do this, and by God's grace, they may see the face of Jesus in us. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we come like those who came to your disciples and said, Lord, we want to see Jesus. And Lord, we do want to see you in all of your glory, so open the eyes of our hearts. Open our hearts, Lord. And Lord, we pray to you that we would be able to see you and respond to you and every person that we meet, whether it be a stranger or a family member or a friend. Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. We do want to see you and love you as you have loved us. We commit our lives to you. And those who have not made that commitment, may they today respond to this word of justice and mercy and grace and say, Lord, I don't quite know how to do this, but please show me and help me. Lord, honor the prayers of our hearts this day, and we will honor you with our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand in response to the word and say what it is we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, we pray that you will guide our feet as we run the race that you have set before us. We are honored to know that you invite us to participate in the transformation of the world as it is into the world that you want it to be. Yet it is also humbling because the needs of this world and the needs of our own lives are great. In the news, we have watched as unrest and violence continue to unfold in Egypt, Syria, and around the world, including these United States. God, these situations perplex and confound us. Solutions and ways forward elude us. Yet we know that peace can overcome violence, as we saw this week in the way Antoinette Tuff used kindness, compassion, and strength to prevent a school shooting in Decatur. With our whole hearts, we pray that your kingdom come. God of all mysteries, our own lives have their share of struggle and pain as well. We've lost jobs in our sense of purpose, Friendships and relationships end, and we feel alone. We've lost loved ones, both who, those who lived long lives and those who died far too young. We have families and friends who have been diagnosed with incurable diseases. We know parents who grieve when their children suffer. Our own bodies are fragile and frail, broken and scarred. Guide us, O oh God, toward healing and wholeness. Comfort those who mourn, be present with those who suffer. O God, fix our eyes upon Christ, who came into the world of brokenness and proclaimed the dawn of your kingdom. As Christ prays for your kingdom, so too we now pray as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us this morning, either here in the sanctuary at Spring Harbor or via television or online. Those in the sanctuary I invite you to sign the friendship pads located at the end of your aisles and pass those along to those seated next to you. While you're passing those along, I'd like to make a few announcements, highlight a few announcements. We begin the story curriculum here in the church on September 8th in two weeks. Books and more information are available in the gathering hall. Information is available on our website. In preparation for September 8th, we invite you to read chapter 1 of the story. The classes and worship services on, on uh, September 8th will draw from chapter 1, so we invite you to do that in preparation. There are a wide number of classes that will be available on Sunday mornings for you to join, and we invite you to take part in those. We also continue to have midweek classes as well. These are separate groups, the Women of the Word, Coffee Chat, Men's Prayer Breakfast, and other groups. We invite you to those as well. We will be receiving new members at tomorrow night's session meeting. If you're interested in joining the church, becoming a member of the church, we invite you to contact the church office. We are also privileged to have with us this morning Amanda Kraft and Deborah Martinez. I'd like to invite them to, up front to share with us. Deborah is the, the PCUSA Regional Coordinator for Guatemala and Mexico. Deborah Martinez is the Vice Moderator for the Union Sinotica Feminil of the Guatemalan National Presbyterian Church. And they are with us this morning. They shared in a Sunday school class this morning, and they're going to share with us this morning. Welcome. Buenos días a todos, hermanos y hermanas. Good morning to all of you, brothers and sisters. Es un gozo en mi corazón. It's a joy from the depths of my heart. De parte del Señor. From the Lord Christ. Estar con ustedes en esta hermosa mañana. To be here this morning. Y ser partícipe. And to be a participant. De la comunión de todos los santos. To be a participant in the communion of all saints. Doy gracias a Dios. And so I give thanks to our Lord. Por la hermosa oportunidad. For the beautiful opportunity. Que Dios me dio. That God has given to me. Y de todos aquellos hermanos. And to all of the brothers and sisters. Hicieron posible. Who helped make this possible. Representar. To be able to represent. A nuestro país Guatemala. Our country Guatemala. Realizando este hermoso viaje. And to be able to be part of this beautiful trip. Un saludo lleno de amor, de fe y de esperanza. I bring a greeting full of love and hope. De mi país, Guatemala. From my country of Guatemala. Especialmente. Specifically. De la Iglesia Presbiteriana. From the Presbyterian Church of Guatemala. De Guatemala. Cuya visión es. Whose vision is. Compartir. To share. Un ministerio. A ministry. Eficiente. That's efficient. Y transformador de vidas. And transforming Amen. of lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. September 15th is National Back to Church Week. Um, you may see announcements in the bulletin and on our Facebook page. We have a video that is up. So we invite you to, all of us are invited to invite someone to church, back to church on September 15th. And if you want to be an overachiever, you can start next week with the beginning of the story. Let us now continue to worship God with the presentation of our tithes and our offerings.
Holy and gracious God, in a broken and fearful world, give us courage to pray without ceasing that your kingdom might come to fruition in the world around us. We offer these gifts so that they might be used for the good of your kingdom and so that we might work with others for the justice, freedom, and peace that only you can bring. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, go be Jesus. Go see Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.